This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. called Kingdoms in Conflict. Kingdoms in Conflict. And uh, I want to start off this morning by really just reading a a portion from one of Charles Dickens' books, A Tale of Two Cities, because it just, as I was praying over and thinking about this series and putting it together, this, this really just, I mean, the Holy Spirit, I believe, just brought this to my remembrance. And it, it just so seems to fit the very moment we're living in, listen to this. This is a quote from from Charles Dickens in, in his book. He said, It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. And it was the epoch of incredulity. It was a season of light. It was a season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of deep despair. We had everything. Well, doesn't that sound like today? It sure does to me. How appropriate I think these lines are, you know, in the day that we're living. You know, we've got an election coming up next month. And, you know, we're all praying, I'm sure, about that. And we're educating ourselves about the candidates and we're praying. But, you know, it seems like that we're living either in the world, in the, in the worst of times or the best of times. just depends on whose perspective that we're listening to. Depend on who we ask. Isn't that true? We're either about to enter a great age of human enlightenment and a wonderful future, or we're going to be torn apart by the violence, greed, and hatred among ourselves. We're talking about kingdoms and conflict. There seem to be these two polar viewpoints today concerning our future. But I would like to suggest there is an alternative, something that's more permanent than the whims and shifting values of man. And so this month we're going to be examining two kingdoms, the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. And I'm really going to refer to these two kingdoms really as the city of man and the city of God. We're going to look at their origins. We're going to examine their their nature, their underlying values, their duration. We'll understand that the kingdom that you and I embrace will determine the one which influences our values, our purpose, and ultimately, our eternal destination. Kingdoms in conflict. City of man, city of God. Uh, we're going to read, first of all, from Genesis over here in the book of beginnings, Genesis 11. And I'm just going to introduce it today. We're going to talk about, in introduction today, talking about the city of man and the city of God. Some of the, some of the attributes that would be descriptive of these cities of these two kingdoms, uh, so that we can have an understanding. Because, you know, we live with both of these kingdoms, if you will, of both of these cities vying for our attention, vying for our lives, our talents, our resources, everything that we are. They're vying for them. Here in Genesis 11, this is right after the flood, It says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar, 
and settled there. And they said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now notice this. Right after God's judgment had come on the earth because of sin, you know the story of Noah and the flood. Right after this, then men begin to multiply again. And the first thing they did here is they begin to build something. Now the city of man, first of all, what is it that is the, I believe, the chief characteristic of the kingdom or city of man? And that is that it is egocentric. It's all about me. Notice they said, let us build us a city that will glorify us. The kingdom, the city of man, it's egocentric. It's all about me. Let us build what I need, what I want. And really they said, let us build it up so that what there will be a remembrance of us. There's something in the heart of every man and woman that somehow we know, you know, the scripture says it this way, he's put eternity in our hearts, that somehow we know, you know, I was made to endure. Somehow my name needs to be remembered. I, I, I need to endure. We need to, there's more permanence in this fleeting life. Just Tuesday of this week, Cindy and I, we were standing in the ruins of ancient Roman city there in France. They had found this city. They excavated it. And here we are. We're looking at this city. It, it, was, it was a pretty large city. And we're walking over the streets. And we're, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking about it. I mean, you know, this was a, a city that was inhabited when Jesus walked the earth. They had underground a water system and a sewage system, and the, it was a it was a, a even even after two thousand years, most of it had fallen in ruin, but some of it was still there, and you could tell that it was magnificent and all of that. But I thought about you know how fleeting the city of man is, when in all its glory and all its splendor, we saw. Uh, parts of the, their temples that were still there. And parts of their gods that they worshipped that were still there. And, and over here was the marketplace where somebody had shopped. And over here was a house, a foundation left, and a partial wall. And uh, we thought about this. And there was a couple of structures that had survived. And, and they were magnificent. But I thought, you know, how much the, the ego of man, no matter how capable it is, we build things, we build kingdoms, but they don't last. It's egocentric. They said, let us build. And, you know, the scripture says this in Psalm 127. It said, except the Lord build the house, we labor in vain. And I saw many other structures there that now, you know, their architects lie dead and forgotten. And nobody knows who they were. And nobody inhabits them anymore. And I thought, boy, how true that is. How true that is. In the city of man, not only is it egocentric, but also my value is utilitarian. In other words, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? If you can do something for me, then you're valuable. But if you can't, you're not that valuable. It's utilitarian. 
As soon as you are no longer useful for me, the city of man says, you know, hey, we've got to make room for the next ones. Come on. We have no time for you. Because what? You're no longer valuable. And you know, in the city of man, usually those who are seen as the least value, valuable are the very young and the very old. And if you look at the city of man right now, who is in the most danger? The very young who are in the wombs of mothers and the very old who are cast aside because what? We have, you have no more value to us. The city of man. My value is based on a what or how much I possess. You know, I know this is true. You, you, you know, occasionally I'll, I'll go places or something. And I'll be somewhere, you know, outside of church. And you're just there with a group of people. And, you know, you're socializing or whatever it is at some function. And it won't be long, especially with the men, that it's going to come up. The question is, what do you do? Come on. Where do you live? What do you drive? Et cetera, et cetera. Isn't that true? Amen. It comes up. Why? Because that we're all trying to establish the pecking order in the city of man. It's all about what I possess. But Jesus said this. He said, a man's life does not consist of the things which he possesses. And man, when I was standing in some of those cities that, that lie in ruins now, and I'm looking at some that survived, but, you know, the people that built them, they're gone and all, and I thought, boy, isn't that true? You think you possess something. You think you own something. Oh, what a joke that is. You don't own anything. You are steward of what you have. That's all you are. You're a steward of what... You know, Paul said, he said, there is no boasting in God because he said, what do you have that God didn't give you? So how are you going to boast before God? We're talking about the city of man. This built, the city of man is built upon the shifting sand of man's ideas and values. Boy, isn't that the truth? You know, when I lived in South Florida, we used to to joke all the time about, you know, if you don't like the weather, just wait a little bit, it'll change. It's always changing, man, the weather. I mean, you know, you're there in the summer, you know, in the middle of the afternoon, I mean, they come a downpour. I mean, man, you know, a boat would have been better than a car on the streets. I mean, it was just crazy. If you've ever lived in, especially South Florida, you know what I'm talking about. But that's the way man's values are. There's no permanence. There's nothing there. You know, it's whatever's expedient at the moment. You know, and if, you know, and, and if we have any values that we want to hold on to that the city of man says are no longer useful, then we are called uh, old-fashioned, out of step. Come on. It's awful quiet in here. The chief characteristics of the city of man are reason and skepticism. Reason and skepticism. Well, now, I know, you know, you silly old Christians still believing in all that stuff about Jesus. Now, that's just not reasonable. I mean, after all, science has proven that none of that is true. Now, 
I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but we're going to talk about the five major institutions that comprise uh, the city of man and the city of God. You know, our, our government, family, economics, religion, so forth. We're going to look at each one of those. But you know, uh, read sometimes, it's interesting, you read an article sometime, maybe you're reading on the internet or something, and they will talk about especially when they're used talking about it in an authoritative way that science has proven or scientists say or whatever. And notice how many times they've capitalized it. Because science now has become the new religion. It's the new religion. And they've got their priest. And they've got their evangelist. And they are busy, busy, busy persuading the hearts and minds of people that they are right, not God. And that if you believe anything contrary to that, these wonderful, open-minded people who are, say they are so open to everything, it's amazing how close they get. <laughs> because what? It's reason and skepticism. The other extreme is, you know, if you can't, if you know, if you can't prove it by putting it under a microscope, or if you can't measure it, then it's not real. But these same people talk about love. How do you how do you put love under a microscope? How do you put hope under a microscope? And its duration. We're still talking about the city of man is temporary. It's temporary. So the city of man, what is it? It's egocentric. It's my life. I can do with it whatever I wish. And you and God and nobody can tell me what I should do with it. Come on. It's egocentric. It's all about me. It's not about God. And its duration is temporary. I want to tell you something. I can remember... Now, I'm young, and as young as I am, what are you laughing about over there? Who's laughing when I said that? I am young. That's right. You tell it. As young as I am, I can remember when I was in school. I'm talking about public school now. I'm not talking about private school. Public school. That the teacher on her desk was a Bible. In the corner of the room was the American flag. And every day, every day, say every day. Every day when we were in school, we said the Pledge of Allegiance, we read from the Bible, and we prayed. But now the city of man, they say that's wrong. That's bad. That's outdated. We don't need that anymore. And you know what? A lot of Christians have just agreed with them. That tells you what city has influenced them. Are you listening? Oh, Pastor Norris, this is controversial. So what? Jesus was controversial. You think when he went into the temple in his day and overthrew the money changers and all that, you think that wasn't controversial? From that day forward, the Bible says they sought to kill him. You start messing with people's money, come on, their livelihood, you start messing with things. I'm telling you, people, these wonderful, open-minded, 
people will suddenly get very vicious with you. City of man. Now let's talk a little bit about the city of God. Turn over to Hebrews. Now we looked in Genesis 11. Now we're going to turn over to Hebrews 11. And we're going to talk a little bit about the city of God. As I said, we're just getting this introduced today. And we're going to get into this in detail as we go along. So I want to encourage you, don't miss any of these uh, times together because we're going to build on each one. It's very important that we understand this. Because, you know, we're, we're in the world, the city of man, but we're not, of, we're not to be of the world, are we? That is our values, our viewpoint, and so forth. We understand differently, or we're supposed to. Isn't that right? And as your pastor, I want you to help you understand the conflict that's going on in these kingdoms. We know this. We learn this from the scriptures, particularly in Daniel, but other places too, where there is what we would call a shadow government. And that shadow government, behind every government, there are evil spirits trying to gain control or either through the salt and light and prayers of God's church, there is that God influence in the government. But when we look and see, I don't care whether it's a king, a premier, a president, a junta, a, a military dictator, whoever, whatever form that government may take, there's a shadow government behind it that's looking to influence and use that authority because the scripture says all authority comes from God. But not all authority that comes from God is used in a godly way. That's why Tuesday night, you know, I'd sure like to see about this many people here to pray. Anybody here not exactly thrilled with the direction of our country? Let me see your hand. Then, you know, you're a candidate for prayer Tuesday night. Because that's what's going to make the difference. City of God. Hebrews 11. Begin there with verse 9. It's talking about Abraham. He left his country. In verse 9 it says, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. Interesting. As did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking... For a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. That's quite a contrast from what we read over there in Genesis 11, isn't it? Where they said, let us build a city. Make a name for ourselves. But Abraham going out in the purpose and plan of God with nothing but a promise to begin with. It says he lived, he purposely lived in tents demonstrating that he was not out to build his own city or go his own way, but he was looking for God's city and God's plan and God's purpose. Isn't that right? Sure. So the city of God, it has to do with being God-centered and not self-centered. Abraham, when he went out in faith, he was always focusing on God, what God wanted, what God's will, what God's purpose was, he wasn't concerned about building his own kingdom. I, I'm telling you, I, I stood in the midst of those who had built their own kingdom. 
And I thought about it, how ironic that some little country boy from a small town in a land they had never heard of now was walking over their magnificent city that I'm sure they thought was going to last forever. But it didn't. Only God's kingdom is eternal. Only what God does will last. How many times do we allow things in the natural to upset us so much when if everything went perfect, it's still going to be temporary? So it's God-centered, not self-centered. And my value is based upon God's love for me. You know, everything in the, in the market, everything that, that, that can be bought or sold, whatever it is, somebody puts a value on it. Isn't that right? Based on uh, its utility or based on its... Uh, you know, uh, it's desire, whatever they want. God let us know how much he valued us when Jesus gave his life at Calvary. When he bore our sins, he bore our sicknesses, he took our judgment, our punishment. God let us know right then, you are valuable. And the Bible says that at that time, we were helpless, hopeless, and, and just, I mean, we had no... Chance, no hope in any other way. And yet God says, I value you because what? I love you. You know what makes you valuable, me valuable? God loves us. See, often the enemy tries to get us to start looking at ourselves through the city of man. Well, now, you know, you're not the smartest person. You're not the most gifted person. You're not the this. You're not the that. You're not the other. And he gets us all focused on that. And we begin to get all discouraged. And we get all kind of down in the mouth. Oh, that's right. I'm just not. You know, but that's the whole wrong focus. Our focus concerning ourselves is what? Is we look to Jesus. We look at the value that God has placed on me through his love that makes me, that makes you special. That God's not going to love you more because you win 10,000 people to the Lord. His love is unchanging. That's what, that's the thing about the kingdom of God. That's the good news that we can tell everybody. Listen, you're valuable. You're valuable to God. God. And God's not just giving lip service to it. He's proven it. He's proven it. Amen? Amen? And in the city of God, the kingdom of God, it's not how much I possess, but how much I can serve. The Bible says, not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise, not many great were called. <laughs> you know, I always say jokingly, I was almost overqualified. But here's the thing. All of these, listen, with all of these, he called us. Here's what he called us to do. Not because we were wise, not because we were mighty, not because we have great charisma, not because any of that. But he called us because he loved us. And then out of that love, what? We serve. 
See, God's not saying, okay, whoever dies with the most stuff, okay, you're going to get the biggest reward. That's the city of man. You know, I've, t- I've told you this before. You know, I've done a lot of funerals in, in, in 34 years of ministry, and I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Never have I. And I bet you haven't either, have you? And you never will. The Pharaohs tried that. It didn't work. <laughs> look, in, look in 1 John 3 real quickly here. 1 John 3. Verse 16. You got John 3.16. You got 1 John 3.16. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> this is how we know what love is. Somebody said, what is love? Get all philosophical. What is love? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and, see a lot of times we stop there, but that's not where the verse stops. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. This is how, how do we know what, how do we know what love is? He said, this is how you know what love is. He said, we lay our lives down. What does he mean? Not, not necessarily literally die for, but what? We serve one another. We serve one another. And you know what I found out? In serving, there comes dying. Because I got news for you. Now, I know you're all holy and everything. So, I, you know, you try to understand my position. But you know, when I'm called on to serve, my flesh don't like it. Hello? I mean, you know, to serve, it's not always convenient. As a matter of fact, it rarely is convenient. Isn't that true? I mean, you know, I would like to serve, but you know, I'm just too busy. I'm too important. Of course, we don't say it that way. We say it other ways. But I'm telling you, whatever it might be, we come up. But he said, this is what the kingdom, this is what the city of God's about. It's not about how much we possess. It's not about what great gifts we possess. Because Paul told the Corinthian church over there, he said, I don't care if you have every gift there is in the kingdom of God. If you don't have love, he said, you're just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Oh, but... That's not you just, you just, you need to let me preach. I, man, I can, you know. Well, first, let's see you serve. Let's see you serve. You want, you want to teach? Children's church needs somebody. <laughs> I'm gone to meddling now, haven't I? We're talking about the city of man versus the city. See, the city of man's egocentric. I want somebody, you know, to minister to me. Hey, what about me? Now, I know you guys are all holy, so y'all don't have to deal with that. But some of us do. And see, it's the city, it's the, which city we embrace. Because see, in the city of God, it says my life is not my own. You know, sometimes I think, you know, in the church, I'm talking about not this church in particular, just in the church universal, I think sometimes, you know, we just want what God can give us. That's really what I'm in it for. You know, I want my sins to be forgiven. I want my body to be healed if it's sick. I want God to meet all my needs when I have a need. 
you know, I want God to be there for me whenever there's trouble. And I want him to make sure, oh, above all, God, don't forget this one. Uh, heaven, not hell. I want to go up, not down. Don't, don't get that mixed up. Right? And a lot of times, you know, that, a lot of Christians I've talked to, it's, it seems like it, it, even though they're Christians, it's, they still bring some of that egocentric understanding into the kingdom. And they think it's, just, it's all about me. God, take care of me. God, do this for me. God, do that for me. And I mean, man, you know, God forbid if he takes longer than my schedule permits. <laughs> I'm about ready to give up on him if he takes too long. The chief values of the city of God, faith, hope, love. Faith, hope, and love. Paul said... These will never, ever pass away. They're as enduring as God is. Why? Because what? They come from the very heart of God, don't they? Love. God is love. Isn't that right? He has power, but He is love. God is love. You know what God's like? He's love. He's love. It didn't say God is judgment. Will He judge? Yes. But that's not what He is. He's love. He's love. Amen? Amen? And we know he's full of faith. Isn't that right? And full of hope. So the duration of the city of God is eternal. It is eternal. Now real quickly, the five pillars, and we're gonna, I'm just going to really, really introduce them real quickly here because my time's running out. But these are the areas we're going to get into on the next uh, several Sundays. Because there are five pillars which constitute each city. There's government. There's government. In the kingdom of God, there's government. The city of man, there's government. Isn't that right? Sure. There's government. There's going to be a governing uh, power and authority that's going to rule and govern. We're, we're going to look at that. You know, uh, Peter told the Sanhedrin, he said, men ought to obey God, uh, God rather than man. And we'll learn about authority. See, the thing about authority is this. All authority comes from God. God is the highest government, the highest authority. All authority comes down from Him. Not all authority is used in a godly way, but all that authority came down from God. And whenever there's a conflict of authority, we always appeal to a higher authority. Now, that's true even in the city of man, isn't it? I mean, if, if, if there's a federal law and a state law in conflict, which one supersedes? So whenever the authority of God and the authority of man clash as believers, which authority should we obey? Then there is econ economics. The economics is one of the pillars. And most of the economy if the city of man is made to bring you into bondage. Come on down to Silly Sam's supercar lot. Don't matter what your credit is, you're approved at 29% interest. Come on. Invest your money. See where it goes. But the kingdom of God, 
See, the kingdom of God liberates. God says, he says, I'm going to meet all your needs. I'm not looking to the government to meet my needs. I'm looking to God to meet my needs. Oh, what are we going to do if the Social Security runs out, Pastor Norris? Well, I don't know about you, but they ain't going to affect me a bit because that's not, what I'm, that's not where my hope is. That's not where my faith is. <laughs> my God, I hadn't drawn a Social Security check yet, and God's met all my needs. I'm blessed God he'll meet them right on. I mean, if it's there, I'll take it because I paid into it. But that's not where my hope is. That's not where my faith is. All right. We'll, we'll talk about that more. Education. Oh, boy. Whose children are they? City of Man says, well, you know, takes a village. Yeah, but which village? Who, who has the right to speak into the lives of our children and to put the values there and to form their character? We're going to talk about that. Family. Oh, boy. Who defines family? Where did family originate from? We've got all these different definitions nowadays of family. But where did family really start? Where did it begin? What was its intent? What was its purpose? We're going to talk about that. And then finally, religion, spirituality. See, the city of man says, yeah, you can be religious, but now you stay over there in that corner with your religion. Keep it quiet. Keep it mum. Don't say a word. Don't, don't rock the boat. Don't say anything. Don't disagree. Don't pray in public. Don't read in public. Don't say Jesus in public. Don't do anything. And everything will be fine. See how accommodating we are? We let you have your Jesus. Just keep him over there in the closet. Keep him over there in the corner. Don't bring him out into the public forum. We're going to talk about these. So government, economics, education, family, religion, and spirituality. How we think, what we believe, our values, how we live, and even how we use our resources are affected by the city that we embrace. See, if I'm egocentric, then all my talents are my own, all my abilities are my own, all my money is my own, all my time is my own. And if I feel like it, I might tip you or I might tip God. But if I... Believe that living in the city of God, that it's all about God, and that everything I have come from God, my life come from God, my abilities come from God, my, the finance I have come from God, then I'm a steward of that. And as a steward, it's not what I will, but what the owner wills. Big difference. Big, big difference. Isn't that right? A battle for the hearts and minds. So the action for this week is take time and determine which city are you really living in. Which city are you really living in? I tell you what, if we were honest, we might be surprised how much the city of man has influenced us, intimidated us, silenced us. Come on. You say, yeah, but boy, I'm telling you, this government, it's just, you know, whatever. It's just, you know, depending on your outlook, it's just getting bad and bad and bad. But listen, you think when the church started out, 
the Roman Empire ruled the world. They weren't exactly lightweights. Isn't that right? They pers everywhere they went, read the Bible, read church history. Everywhere they went, they were persecuted. They were killed. They were martyred. Oh, yeah, but we don't, we don't want none of that. You know, you've, you've heard the, the boiling frog principle. You know all about that. You put a frog in water, and you gradually turn up the water, the heat, little by little by little by little, and eventually you can boil the frog alive. What happens when we allow the city of man to little by little, listen, little by little. I, you know, we, as I said, I, we stood in those ruins, and you know, that, that, those cities didn't fall in a day. Little by little, little by little, the little foxes, Solomon said, they steal the grapes. So a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there, and the next thing you know, we're, we're, we're living under the dictates of the city of man more than we are the city of God. And these kingdoms, as I said, they're always in conflict. See, I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about ideologies here. Those are just manifestations. I'm talking about where Paul says that we are in a spiritual conflict that is manifesting itself through these institutions. Because that's what the enemy wants. You think the enemy doesn't want to get control of the highest institutions of our land? To influence the people who are in those offices, whatever they be. Somebody, you know, we get all uptight about, you know, and I know the devil's just got to be laughing up his sleeve at us. We get all uptight about labels, Republican and Democratic. Good gracious alive. Can't we grow up? I said as believers, can't we grow up? Are we going to be, I mean, it's like being fooled by, you know, you, you ever seen it, you know, uh, somebody that does, you know, like sleight of hand, you know, car tricks or something? You know, and, and you've seen through it, and you see exactly how he's doing it, but somebody else doesn't, and they're just like, and you're going, come on. You know, that's the way it should be with us. We should have insight. We should have understanding about these two kingdoms in conflict and what it's really all about and what's behind it all and not get all caught up in all this sniping about stuff that doesn't matter. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Listen, we got two people running for president. Just take, for example, okay? If Hillary Clinton is elected president, what did God tell us to do? Okay, if Donald Trump is elected president, what did God tell us to do? Come on. Yeah, but, 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 yeah, listen. We're going to talk about this. And we're going to look behind the scenes, let God open the curtains for us, and really see what it's all about. Amen. I'm not here to tell you how to vote. That's your business. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what, we need to have understanding. We don't need to be part of all this natural political cat fighting, infighting, and all of that, we are, surely we're, we're above and beyond that, or we ought to be if we have the proper insight about these kingdoms in conflict. Amen? Amen. Praise God.
Well, invite somebody to come out. This series, I promise you, is, is going to be good. It's going to be uh, eye-opening, I believe. I believe it'll be a, a revelation and understanding that we need, you know. And then no matter what, you know, you, you pray, you, you, you look at the candidates, you do your voting. But like I said, whoever gets in, what are we going to do? We're going to pray. Why? Because what? We're in the city of God. And it is always greater than the city of man. Always. 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 Never doubt it. It's always that. And that's where we operate from. Now, we may have to operate in the city of man while we're here, but we operate from the city of God in our attitudes, in our values, in our authority, and in all that we do. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.